I'm glad you're joining us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. I'm host Carrie Freeman, coming to you from Atlanta in June of 2022. Today, we're going to be assessing how the global news media has been covering the future pandemic risks posed by zoonotic disease transmission, particularly due to human farming and hunting practices for animal meat that have driven most zoonotic transmissions in the past and including COVID-19. So I consider what ways the news is helping us make the changes we need to prevent future pandemics. I'll be focusing a lot on what solutions are proposed and I'll share some really interesting quotes with you from various news stories. And to do this, I'm sharing a scholarly study of mine that I presented at a recent International Communication Association conference this May. Because usually I'm the host of In Tune to Nature and I interview others, but today I'm interviewing myself. I'm a professor of communication at Georgia State University in Atlanta, and I study media ethics, strategic communication for social change, environmental communication, and critical animal studies. Uh, which basically means in the media studies field, I focus a lot on um, animal and environmental issues, um, especially things that are related to exploitation of animals for food, which relates to our topic today. So uh, my paper was titled, Eating Animals is Coming Back to Bite Us, although that's a quote I took from a news story. Um, news coverage of COVID-19's animal origins and future zoonotic disease prevention regarding human use and consumption of wild and domesticated animals. And so my research questions that I'm gonna be answering today uh, for you are during the COVID-19 pandemic, what have we learned in global news coverage about zoonotic disease and our relationship to the animal kingdom that can lead to animal and eco-related reforms, including meat reduction or things related to our food systems? to reduce risks or prevent pandemics from happening again. And another research question is regarding pandemic prevention and animal and eco protection, what did these zoonotic disease stories do particularly well? And conversely, what is missing that I would recommend for journalists or communication scholars to explore further? Um, and just as a side note, since I'm what we call a critical animal studies media scholar, my argument is that journalism needs to help us engage in constructive problem solving regarding our unhealthy and exploitative relationship with non-human animals. So um, I don't approach this as just like some sort of so-called neutral scholar who's just trying to see what the news is doing without a concern um, for social change or power relationships um, and so forth. So I am taking a stance um, that is for animal rights, human rights, and environmentalism. So my method and sample, just quickly, I searched uh, a database called the Global News Stream uh, for articles between February 2020, so around the time the pandemic was uh, becoming widespread across the world, and between February 2022 of this year's, uh, and looking in English English language news sources via search, all these search terms. So they had to have all, each article that I pulled up at had to relate to each of these things, either something to do with the pandemic or COVID or coronavirus, something to do with zoonosis or zoonotic. The word animal had to be in there and the word meat had to be in there. So if it had all those four things 
um, in this global news stream database uh, in these last two years, um, the articles, the news articles pulled up. Um, and there was 270 plus entries um, from newspapers. And I needed to narrow that down because I do qualitative research. And so I need to, I go a little bit more in depth on smaller samples. So what I did was looked at, I reduced the number of sources. And so I looked at the 30 top articles that came from um, the, I think the seven most popular um, news, they were newspapers from uh, in the English speaking world. Um, this is the Independent, the Express in London, both those from London, the Asia News Monitor, the Guardian, also from uh, the UK, New York Times, Times of India, and Sunday Times, and the latter is a South Africa paper. Um, so those were the news organizations that had the most stories related from that group of 270. So I pulled the 30 articles from these newspapers. And just so you know, 75% of the stories are from 2020. So only 25% of the stories were published in 2021 or 2022. So most of the stories related to pandemic uh, prevention issues and zoonotic disease transmission, particularly related to meat, um, were reported earlier in the pandemic and, and not later. So, okay, back to my descriptive research question. What have we learned in news coverage about zoonotic disease and our relationship to the animal kingdom that can lead to reforms to reduce risks or prevent pandemics from happening again? So I'm looking at content-oriented descriptions of type of information covered and the solutions that were proposed. So what did these news stories teach us of the 30 news stories that I was looking at? Most of these articles explain what a zoonotic disease is and that three quarters of pandemics in humans have quote unquote animal sources, sometimes listing the pre previous pandemics that were zoonotic for, for context. So an example um, from an, in, an article in the Independent on Earth Day 2020, uh, they list zoonotic diseases. They say zoonotic outbreaks have been proliferating in recent years. Other diseases transmitted from animals to humans include, among other things, Ebola, bird flu, swine flu, the Zika virus, West Nile virus, Nipah virus, Rift Valley fever, HIV initially, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS, and sudden acute respiratory syndrome known as SARS. To an intercontinental list of nearly 70 known zoonoses, we must now add COVID-19, which is also called SARS-CoV-2. So from that list of infamous uh, infectious diseases, they're pointing out that all of those came from um, humans as an animal contracting these diseases from um, non-human animals. Some of these articles, news articles mentioned that there has been an increase in zoonotic diseases in human society in recent years. So they're becoming more common. Then they would usually tell us why that is or what the causes of the human to animal trans transmission is, mainly due to human activities involving wild or domesticated non-human animals. Earlier stories, meaning earlier kind of in the pandemic, so we might be talking about March, April, May, June, 2020, those stories focused on restricting live animal or so-called wet markets or live animal markets 
or restricting the broader wildlife trade. But some stories also point out that animal farming or farming of meat, meat eating is problematic. Um, and one story even mentioned lion breeding farms in South Africa being part of the problem. There is sometimes a fear expressed in these news stories that we will go back to business as usual and fail to address these root problems that increase the likelihood and frequency of future pandemics, as was the case with previous zoonotic diseases. And so sometimes a disease like SARS will be mentioned. We learned more about the causes of problems rather than the solutions or needed reforms. That's my assessment in, in looking at these stories. They tend to tell us more about how zoonotic diseases happen rather than focus on or, or also don't include the solutions uh, for these reforms. But I'm gonna be focusing on those solutions because um, I'm really interested in that. Like how is the news helping us as a society move forward to prevent or reduce the risk of future pandemics? So um, the top proposed zoonotic transmission solutions in newspaper content. So the most popular ones of these 30 news stories from those uh, seven news organizations I was talking about, they focus mostly on stricter government regulations and restrictions. And this is either in the wildlife trade or like wild animal markets, or it's in industrial animal agribusiness. So that's kind of evenly split. So 40% of the stories mention further regulations and restrictions to the wildlife trade, and 40% mention further regulations and restrictions to industrial animal agribusiness or ending factory farming. Now, of the 40% that uh, talk about regulating the wildlife trade, this includes regulating live animal meat markets. It also includes, which, which that can include better hygiene or monitoring of risk at these markets, but it also includes legal and e illegal wildlife trade. Um, for example, there's the bushmeat trade in South Africa that often drives excessive hunting. So let me go to my notes and show you, uh, just read a little bit from an Asian News Monitor article that was from March of 2021 on that topic, although the source was originally um, Deutsche Welle, which is a German newspaper. Um, they're quoting a woman, Louis Nugaluka, who's an awareness program manager of the Wildlife Crime Prevention program. It's a non-governmental organization in Zambia. And she says zoonotic diseases account for about 75% of emerging diseases currently affecting humans. They also include yellow fever, various forms of influenza, rabies, and Lyme disease. Many of these diseases can be traced back to the consumption of bushmeat. She problematizes, that was her quote, and I'm saying that she problematizes health risks that come from illegal bushmeat, meaning meat that is uh, from animals who are poached, not animals who are farmed. She says, quote, illegal meat that has not gone through health and safety regulations, unquote. So her, her solution is, is to have people um, in these African nations eat traditional wild species, but come from farms that are monitored. Uh, for example, the Tanzanian government has legalized the sale of bushmeat while subjecting it to strict rules like overseeing the slaughtering process, kind of for public health reasons. In this same article, um, Yulrik Beckman, who serves as a scientific advisor for the Jane Goodall Institute, was quoted. She says, we're missing the point if we only talk about bushmeat. She added, the issue is that we're destroying the last functioning e ecosystems by invading them. Through poaching, hunting, clearing road and settlement construction, 
or mineral, mineral resource extraction. We're in danger of coming into contact with creatures and pathogens that would not occur under natural conditions. Um, the story, the news story ends with um, the same representative from the Jane Goodall Institute that, and she says, she calls for global policy action to stop wildlife trafficking, climate change, environmental degradation, and factory farming. The danger does not lie solely in the consumption of illegal bushmeat in Africa, she stresses. Um, so that is also an example of how news stories can mention both the issues with meat coming from the wildlife trade and issues with uh, meat that come from animals, you know, who are farmed. But in that example, they're they're often prioritizing the idea that if if it's animals who are farmed, we can really re the regulators can control that and and monitor that for public health, whereas they don't really control the hunting as much, and so that poses more of a risk. Now, um, in the 40% of stories that um, propose a solution to further regulate or restrict industrial animal agribusiness or ending factory farming, um, they might occasionally mention antibiotic resistant issues um, due to factory farming's common use of antibiotics in farmed animals. Um, here's an example, though that's not related to antibiotic use, but um, it falls within this topic of industrial animal agribusiness from the Asian News Monitor, they were quoting somebody um, from the World Bank. So let me find my notes on that. Um, this is from July 13th, 2020. And the whole article is a Q&A with Frank Berta, Senior Livestock Specialist in the World Bank's Agriculture and Food Global Practice. Um, I note that he implies demand for meat is something to be managed or regulated, but not reduced or eliminated. And he says a recent report by FAIR shows that 44 out of 60 of the world's largest meat, fish, and dairy companies are considered high risk for pandemics and none of them present low risk. So again, basically most of the world's largest animal farming and fishing companies are considered high risk for pandemics. None of them are low risk. He said, we need to address the biosecurity gap and focus our efforts on animal health management and prevention of infectious disease. And he also mentions One Health. Um, so basically he mentions better animal husbandry in pig and chicken farms and better effluent or waste management in dairies for clean water and improving sanit sanitation in traditional markets or professionalizing food inspections, inspections at markets. So that's another example of a news story that is mentioning both industrialized animal big animal agribusiness, but also the um, wildlife trade as a source of meat and how both of these things, um, some of these people think, oh, well, we can just get governments to regulate them and they'll be safer in, in preventing pandemics. Um, and that one also mentioned One Health. And I wanted to say that 20% of the news stories did mention One Health as a solution, adopting a One Health coordinated approach to policymaking, which considers holistic health of humans and non-human animals and environment mutually. So it's um, a policymaking approach called One Health, um, where if you adopt that, you're not ignoring one aspect in trying to treat zoonotic diseases without, let's say, looking at um, environmental or animal protection um, aspects. 
Other top proposed zoonotic transmission solutions in the newspaper content was uh, reduced meat consumption or the idea of stopping eating certain animals. So 20% of these 30 stories mentioned that we should stop or reduce eating wild animal species. And then a little bit lesser percent, 14% mentioned we should stop or reduce eating farmed animals. So 26% of the stories focused on reduction in eating wild animal species and 14% mentioned reduction in eating farmed animals particular. So both of these are consumption or demand side solutions where the other uh, ones that and the more popular solutions were more production oriented, like, oh, well, let's look at how we're currently hunting or farming animals for food and let's, um, you know, regulate that or restrict that in some way. And but then some of the stories do talk about um, the fact that we as consumers need to start changing the way that we're eating and eat uh, fewer animals, whether wild or domesticated. Now, some of the stories, 16% mentioned legally enforced bans, bans like stopping the wildlife trade. And this often includes live animal markets, but it includes legal and illegal trade. But I sometimes the distinction isn't clear when they're talking about stop, stopping the wildlife trade, if they mean just the illegal trade in wild animal species or whether they're meaning like, hey, let's stop trading in wild animal bodies because in the process of trading any bodies of, of these wild species, you know, across borders and different things, we're stirring up trouble and transmitting um, pathogens around the world for this. Um, so again, this is a production or supply side um, solution, not a demand side solution. Um, and then 14% of the news stories uh, who, that talk about zoonotic transmission solutions top, talked about stopping encroaching on wilderness areas or animal habitats. So including we need to stop deforestation and conversion of wild areas for agriculture or industrial extraction. So uh, I will say loss of wilderness is more often mentioned as a problem that causes wildlife, causes zoonotic diseases. They don't necessarily mention like protecting wilderness habitat as much as a solution, but that is an obvious uh, solution. So you could also ask, are reforms being implemented now? Like, and did I see that in 2021 and 2022? Because remember, most of the stories came from early in 2020. It's early and yeah, in 2020. So, you know, if there, if we were following up on that, and suddenly everybody was, you know, regulating the wildlife trade much stricter, or doing all kinds of um, safety and different kinds of changes on factory farms, or we're switching all to plant-based eating, we would start seeing more of that in the newspapers. But what I did see was a sharp drop in animal-related stories on COVID and zoonotic diseases related to meat or food since 2020 meaning it doesn't appear that we are as a society actually doing anything to implement these solutions. Because what we talk about mainly now is economics and vaccines. And so that's where the news has gone because probably that's where the activity is. If you're just joining us on Radio Free Georgia, this is In Tune to Nature. And I'm host Carrie Freeman, sharing a recent study I presented at the International Communication Association Conference. 
My day job isn't radio hosting. It's being a professor of communication and media studies at Georgia State University. So my prescriptive research question, my last research question that I'll share with you is what did the news stories do particularly well? And conversely, what is missing that I would recommend for journalists or communication scholars to explore further when covering zoonotic uh, disease transmission risks from human-animal interactions. And again, my perspective is as an environmental communication scholar who's applying principles from media ethics, as well as critical animal and, and critical media studies to judge or assess what I think uh, the news should do in the future. So, one thing that they did particularly well was they covered scientific and policy reports on zoonotic disease causes and solutions from international NGOs and gave them a voice, which I thought is important. Uh, they often featured uh, researchers. Significantly, the independent shared the whole declaration from the G20 summit of the Wildlife Conservation 20 declaration. So to see the whole Wildlife Conservation Declaration Plan in the Independent, I think is pretty important. They also noted that zoonotic disease transmission is the fault of human activity, especially encroachment on wilderness, the wildlife trade, and hunting wild animals and farming domesticated animals. So the meat supply and meat demand are uh, driving zoonotic disease transmission. Um, the news stories helped us see what we must change and improve um, in terms of our interactions with wild and farmed animals to reduce impending pandemics in the future. They didn't suggest that we eradicate the wild species in which the virus likely originated, like whether it's bats or pangolins, et cetera. So it's good that they weren't provoking fear over certain species or kind of blaming other species. I, I didn't see that. Um, some examples of quotes uh, from news stories where I thought these were pretty good quotes um, one story from the Asian News Monitor, which was initially in the German publication uh, Deutsche Well, talked about a report from the UN Environmental Program and the International Livestock Research Institute. The quote says, research from dozens of scientists spanning the globe came to one conclusion. Human behavior, i.e. the way we interact with and consume animals is the main driver increasing the prevalence of zoonotic disease, unquote. So the report lists seven human-mediated factors behind the emergence of zoonotic diseases. And then and the top three are as follows. One, increasing human demand for animal protein as a problem. Number two, unsustainable agricultural intensification like factory farming is a problem. And number three, increased use and exploitation of wildlife is again, these are, so all of these top three problems behind the emergence of zoonotic diseases like COVID and many others, all relate to exploitation of animals, usually for food, okay? So a quote from this article says, in other words, it's safe to say our desire for meat and other animal products will most likely be responsible for the next pandemic. Another article, um, one was from The Independent from November, 2020. Jane Dalton called for not going back to business as usual. And she actually called for a tax on meat as a solution. We don't often see that. Um, one phrase I thought was useful that she said, she said humans toxic interference with wild animals was the problem. So I liked the term toxic interference. 
Another article that had an interesting quote was from September of 2020 in The Guardian uh, by John Vidal. Uh, he quoted Bath University evolutionary biologist Sam Shepard saying, Shepard argues that the insatiable global appetite for fresh meat consumption of which has quadrupled since 1961, even as the total number of mammals, birds, reptiles, and fish has halved. So the insatiable global appetite for fresh meat consumption has greatly increased the chance of animal diseases infecting humans. And why? He tells us it's the overuse of antibiotics, crowded conditions, unnatural diets, and genetic similarity they make factory farms hotbeds for pathogens to spread among animals and potentially to emerge and infect humans. Another problem with factory farming is habitat destruction. He says the great zoonotic threats actually arise when nat natural areas have been converted to cropland pastures and urban areas." End of quote. Another article that I thought had some good quotes in it was from The Guardian. Um, from one of the reporters and editors, Damian Carrington. He says, quote, the world is treating the health and economic symptoms of the coronavirus, but not the environmental cause. So we're focusing on the symptoms, not the cause, according to the authors of a UN report. As a result, a steady stream of diseases can be expected to jump from animals to humans in coming years, with the root cause being the destruction of nature by humans and the growing demand for meat. Another quote says the disease ecologist Thomas Gillespie of Emory University in the US, an expert reviewer of the report, we are at a crisis point. If we don't radically change our attitudes towards the natural world, things are going to get much, much worse. What we are experiencing now will seem mild by comparison. Another quote, humans have a long history of treating the world as our stage and other creatures as our props, unquote. He ends with this quote, we cannot blame the bats, mosquitoes, and viruses. We cannot expect them to go against their nature. The challenge before us is how best to govern ourselves and stymie the flood we unleashed. Um, in doing so, he promotes uh, a one health solution where we're considering um, human rights, animal welfare and protection, and environmentalism all at the same time. So what is missing or recommended in news coverage of zoonotic disease prevention, uh, according to my assessment? I think we need more stories that are written about animal and eco-based pandemic prevention solutions, particularly related to food and meat-based um, causes and solutions. For example, we have that Convention on Animal Protection that's put, been put out as a um, proposed solution that governments can adopt this convention on animal protection. So there could be stories on that. I've done um, an In Tune to Nature program on that. And I would also suggest that the journalists better match the problems with the solutions. Because if meat, both wild and domestic, and wildlife trade and habitat destruction are the causes of zoonotic transmissions, then vast reductions or replacement of meat and animal-based foods and reduction in trading in animal bodies is an obvious solution. So both of which also contribute to habitat destruction, which is also a cause of zoonotic uh, transmission. So when you talk about stricter regulations and restrictions on industrial farming and wildlife trade, doesn't, the ult doesn't that ultimately equate to eating less meat? So let's take it to its logical conclusion and call it out. So if we're gonna talk about all these regulations or restrictions and like reducing industrial farming and wildlife trade, that means less meat. So let's talk about eating less, less meat. And 
Um, then you'd need to propose how to replace most animal foods with plant foods. So how to end legal commercial trade in animal bodies without impacting poor communities' livelihoods. So those are my suggestions. I'll just end now with a good example of a solution-oriented article, which is an op-ed by two ac academics, um, Dukowicz and Taylor. Um, and that is in The Guardian. And, oh, actually, it's Vettis, Taylor, and Dukowitz, or the three, there's three academics. They say, now, just as ex experts predicted, eating animals is coming back to bite us. So a solution they propose, quote, individually, we must stop eating animal products. Collectively, we must transform the global food system and work toward ending animal agriculture and rewilding much of the world. Oddly, many people who would never challenge the reality of climate change refuse to acknowledge the role meat eating plays in endangering public health. Eating meat, it seems, is a socially acceptable form of science denial, unquote. The three solutions they propose, the first is ending subsidies to industrial animal agriculture and taxing animal products to incorporate the cost of environmental and public health externalities with the aim of the industry's eventual abolition. The second solution they propose is support for local sustainable plant farming to replace the monocrop focused status quo. And the third is large scale public directed investment in both plant-based meat alternatives and cellular agriculture, or what we might call lab grown meat. So growing animal tissue from stem cells, which would expand scientific research and employment while spurring a transition to animal free pro protein. So uh, that's an example of an article that actually focused more on the solutions uh, to the problems. And we definitely need to see more articles like that. And journalists need to talk to more academics or researchers or policymakers about what we are going to do um, in changing our food systems and our interactions with other animals to prevent the next pandemic. To our listeners, thank you for listening and tuning in to In Tune to Nature, broadcasting every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time online at WRFGORG and on Atlanta radio station 89.3 FM. We post action items, news, and podcasts on the show's website, facebook.com slash Nature. The views and opinions expressed on the show do not necessarily reflect those of WRFG, its board staff, or volunteers. I'm one of those volunteers. I'm host Carrie Freeman asking you to please support independent, non-commercial media like Radio Free Georgia. Donations can be made online on behalf of the show at wrfg.org. Remember to take care of yourself and others, including other species. Thank you for listening. Cheers.